0: the man whore podcast is sponsored by pure the pure app lets awesome people have casual sex tonight download pure on google play or the app store pure the hookup app that says it's a hookup app now let's get to the show welcome to the man whore podcast hey there glee geeks and sex freaks this is billy proceed and you are listening to the man whore podcast hey 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 everyone how you doing welcome to the show okay a much happier intro this week than last week last week's was a little sad face i'm sorry if i bummed anyone out (laughs) um got that one out of the way there we go i'm back i'm here i'm smiling i'm in a good mood what is up if you are new to my podcast, typically I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, love, and why we didn't work out. However, this week's guest is, uh, one of, is a special one. She's not one of my former flames. No, uh, I've got on Dr. Timory. Dr. Timory Schmidt in full. Uh, Dr. E- Dr. Timory Schmidt, PhD, to go to the fullest. Uh, she is a sexologist. And host of her own podcast, Sex with Timmery. Uh, great show. I've been on it myself. Had a great time. And I can't wait to share it with you all in a bit. But first, show dates, people. Got some show dates. Okay. Uh, May 22nd, uh, here in New York City, I will be on panel at the Great Love Debate over at Stand Up New York. Mishawaka, Indiana. Uh, May 23rd, I'm going to be at Smokestack Brew at 7 p.m. Medina, Ohio. I don't know if it's Medina or Medina, but I'm going to be there on May 24th at Toth's Place at 830. Then uh, June 6th, I will be roast battling former guest of the podcast, Allison Klemp, at, uh, at The Stand. You can also get tickets for that uh, on my website, manorpodcom slash comedy. And for more show dates and more, I'll be in San Francisco in June, okay? manorpodcom slash comedy. You get your details. You get your tickets there. This is a uh, really exciting. I want to say uh thank you to Esquire. They listed me as a top 10 sex podcast. That was really really cool. I'm excited about that. It's nice to get some press. It's nice to get some recognition from uh from industry, so to speak. It was really weird though. Uh the 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 author Brina, you know, she's she's rating the shows as either uh marking them as cultural cachet funny educational or raunchy Uh, i was marked as educational and cultural cachet however uh, and look i'll take not funny but how many hand jobs do i have to get on air to be listed as raunchy come on now i came on air i don't know but i am i am happy to have gone a little bit recognition uh she writes he decided to make a show out of erotic post-mortems and ex-girlfriend interviews. But Persita is more than a self-proclaimed slut. He's a thoughtful guy who chooses fresh, current topics, like what it's like to be transgender and dating or a porn copywriter. His show is equal parts smart and bro-y. Uh, I, you know, I never really th- thought of myself as bro but okay. Uh, I, I am very thankful. If you want to check it out in full... Check out the show notes. I'll include a link there. Uh, She also includes some phenomenal other podcasts that I think y'all should check out, including Sex with Strangers, which I have appeared on, Uh, Risk, hosted by comedian Kevin Allison, who will be on the podcast later this month, and of course, a podcast many of you are familiar with, Guys We Fucked. So thank you to Esquire. I know we want to get to sex with Tim Marie, but I want to also address your emails. Wow, everybody. um, I got a lot of email responses and tweets and things of that nature um, from folks after last week's episode where I discussed, um, you know, the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. Uh, That show hit really hard for me. It it struck really close to home. And as you heard last week, brought me to, to tears and i'm not going to read any of the emails because they're pretty personal but i want you know i just want to say thank you to all of you who took the time to write to me to share some very personal information and stories with me i'm glad you all, many of you could relate and i'm i'm glad i have a lot of you who listen i'm very grateful to have y'all listening uh I again I do read every email that comes my way and I respond to 99% of them. Here's a here's an email I did respond to. Episode it's titled Episode 141 First Time Listener. I checked out your podcast for the first time after listening to your episode on Guys We Fucked. The episode I chose to listen to first was Episode 141 with Alex Engelbert. You all discussed Lena Dunham's rape story and consent. The first thing that confused me was Alex's recap of Lena's story, which was completely inaccurate. Consent is not a confusing topic or blurred line. Yes, under 2% of rape allegations are false, but these kinds of conversations perpetuate rape culture and make rape look like something men should be afraid of being accused of. Get consent and you'll not have to worry about raping someone. It's that simple. Yes, some innocent men have their lives ruined because of false accusations, but many, many more women get the courage to tell their true story and are not believed. This is why many women stay silent. When I was raped, I was so concerned about the quote unquote blurred line that I clearly told my rapist, if you have sex with me right now, it's rape. I am saying no. This is what our culture has done to us. Even in the moment of assault, women are terrified of not being believed. That's why I never reported my rape and never took legal action. I don't agree with many of the comments you and Alex made about consent, but I will, of course, continue to listen to your point of view. Thanks for being brave enough to share your sex life on this podcast. I am not above criticism. I am always open to a a respectful, disagreeing dialogue always always open to it and i appreciate your your email i want to start off you know by saying i'm very sorry to hear that that happened to you and i appreciate you sharing that with me uh about alex engelbert she is a uh, well uh as she as well as an outgoing roommate uh, let's just say i've heard her walk around the house trying to convince us the holocaust never happened Let's just say, take some of the things she says with a huge bag of salt. Uh, as, as far as, uh, as for consent, I forget if I, share, uh, if I shared my story about my, when my consent wasn't respected on that episode. Uh, if not, uh, you know, I encourage many of you, if you don't know this, to check out episode 43 titled, I Thought I Raped You. Yes, some men get falsely accused of rape. And yes, more women get raped and not believed then men don't get raped and get accused. Neither of those things are acceptable. No one is arguing that you, no one's saying you have to choose one. No one's saying, well, we can only fix one of these problems. And we shouldn't be responding to the claim of one of these things with the existence of the other. That doesn't get us anywhere. It's similar to like oppression politics. It doesn't always help to respond to, we get oppressed with, well, we get oppressed even more. That's not going to do anything. As I've always said, the problem stems in part with our lack of comprehensive sex education. What we need is sex ed. That's what we fucking need. Everywhere where you see comprehensive sex ed go in, every time you you see a drop in rapes, you see a drop in sexually transmitted infections, you see a drop in unwanted pregnancies, you see a drop in abortion rate when you have a drop in unwanted pregnancies and what happens when we take away sex ed oh all those things go up you see now now at one point you say you know just get consent it really isn't that simple because you know what is consent Which which acts need consent some people don't know because a lot of people aren't taught these things Oh, but, but what if we stare into each other's eyes silently and start making out? Did I kiss rape her? Don't laugh because I know I have asked some stupid fucking questions when I was 12 and I had an overworried imagination for hypotheticals. And in that scenario, it still depends, right? You know, kissing someone who didn't want to be kissed because you misread signals is not sexual assault. A guy who pushes you up against the wall at a party trying to make out with you needs at minimum a good beating if not handcuffs. There's a lot of gray area. It's almost as if you have to take things, I don't know, case by case. Plus, and plus, then you've got the infighting within like the sex education and sex positive community about what the legal standard should be, right? There's some people with like, well, it should be enthusiastic consent or uh, affirmative consent or consent consent. I mean, no means no. Well, yes means yes. I mean, just get consent becomes a little more complicated when we start to unpack it. From my point of view as a guy, which I know I'm sitting atop my throne of privilege. It's got a velvet cushioning. It's really nice. The accu... I will say this as a dude. The accusation thing is a legitimate fear in the back of my head. Am I worried about it every day and during every sexual encounter? God, no. But, but it's there. Because when you're accused of that, especially as a person like in, in the public eye, like myself, you're fucking done. Like, you're just... Your life's over. You're, you are finished in the eyes of Google. No matter how far removed you are from it. I hate Ben Roethlisberger for raping some chicks. And guess what? He didn't. We don't even know if he raped anyone because he didn't even ever went to trial. So legally speaking, he's only accused of of sexual assault. But I'm always going to hate Ben Roethlisberger, right? Because that shit just sticks with you. And like you said, I know it's it's not super common. It's not nearly as common as rape itself. That doesn't mean don't be afraid of it. We don't fault people for being afraid of flying even though your car is more likely to crash than your plane. It's okay for guys to be afraid of falsely being accused of rape. I think it's a little good for us to be a little afraid of it. If it takes some fear to get a guy to, to go the extra mile, to take the extra step to obtain consent, if it takes the specter of a false accusation to have the concept of consent on his brain more often. I think that's for the greater good at little to no cost. But hey, that's just me. Um, and, and, and followed up uh, with a book recommendation that I'm going to check out, but I'm also going to pass the recommendation on to you. She said, uh, I want to recommend a wonderful book. It's called Guy Land, The Perilous World Where Boys Become Men, Understanding the Critical Years Between 16 and 26 by Michael Kimmel um and actually this book is already on my amazon wishlist which you can purchase for me if you go to manhorpod.com and click on my wishlist it's been on my wishlist but i'm now going to bump it up because I'm, I'm very interested in uh more on this topic so thank you for writing in for bringing up this topic for cha- i appreciate you challenging me it's good to be pushed a little bit that's how we have productive dialogues And if you want to push me a little bit or, hey, you know, maybe you have a question. I I like to answer advice from time to time. Shoot me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com. Wow, that one got heavy fast. Now for my guest this week, Tim Marie Schmidt. Doctor, sorry, Dr. Tim Marie Schmidt. Um, I was out in Philadelphia a couple months ago, so I'm excited to finally release this episode. But, you know, I met up with Tim Marie. I had uh, done her podcast uh, quite a while ago, and uh, it was nice to finally have her on mine. She is a sex expert, a sex educator, a sexologist, or, or maybe I should say a, a sexual Jacqueline of all trades. So I hope you all enjoy uh, my episode, Talking Sex with Tim Marie. No, no, you sound fine. Can't, can't, so long as you don't have like a Long Island or strong New Jersey accent, I think you're, you're good.
1: I'm a Midwestern, so I don't have an accent.
0: Where where in the Midwest?
1: Western Nebraska. Okay. Yeah. It is uh it is as devoid of accents as it is people of color. I
0: <laughs> I didn't even uh know Nebraska would chunk itself up to like the west side, east side.
1: Well, there's like a legit difference. Like, so if you meet someone from Omaha, you have not met someone from Nebraska. You've met someone from Omaha. Okay. Omaha's where all the people are. Like literally the majority of the population resides in one town. And it's like Omaha. I like how
0: you're a big city. You won't even call it a city. You're like, it's, not. it's a town. Oh I
1: don't, my- <laughs> I don't even, I mean, it's probably technically a city, like the parameters of what, like what is the minimum to be a city?
0: Uh, I live in New York. I live in the biggest city. Yeah, so I don't all know. of you guys are just not cities to me.
1: So it's like, I don't know. I, Maybe, maybe it's close to a million, you know, something like that, like it's not huge. That's sizable. It's sizable. Yeah, I suppose it's technically a city, Um, but it is, it is so close to Iowa that you could just like trip and fall and you're in Iowa. So it's like, it's barely Nebraska, even geographically. And then the experience of living there is fundamentally different than living in a county where there are like more cows than people. So.
0: Were you from one of the cow places? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So how's that different from growing
1: up in Omaha? I mean, Omaha is just like a big box store. It's just like a series of like giant outlets and like chain restaurants. Well, what kind of upbringing do you have,
0: like in farmland, Omaha, that you end up this this sex expert? Would uh, you call a sexologist? Would you?
1: Yeah, I'm technically What's a sexologist. I have it? a PhD in human that's sexuality. Right. Um, so I grew up in 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 cow area where, like, you know, I'm I'm like inherently weird for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. First of all, um. At, at that time if there were gay people they weren't going to let you know about that right so uh, i was you know i knew i was i knew i was bi because i found out that not everybody else was like that's the thing it's like i, I you know as a little kid i just assumed well since i'm bi that must be what everybody is right like right. and then um one day someone said pledge allegiance to the flag michael jackson is a fag and i went what's a wait, fag wait, wait. and then they explained to me what a gay person was and i was like what were we supposed to pick teams? Was like gone that day? So that's how I found that out. Um, but I was already, you know, I was weird in a lot of ways. Like I, I read the newspaper as a kid and like I would argue with teachers on like, um, you know, what does it actually say in the Bible? And like, just, I was just a weird, arty, you know, political kid. So I was never going to fit in. So that was fine. You know, like I didn't have, I did actually didn't have a ton of pressure from that because I was never going to be a part of it. It was never going to be acceptable. So made it a lot easier. And I just knew that I was going to have to go somewhere else to do what I wanted to do. And
0: you didn't, when, when did you escape like 17, 18?
1: Uh, yeah, I went to, I went to the university of Nebraska for, um, undergrad and just get psychology degree. Um, they actually have a great psych program. If you're going to go to Nebraska, go to Lincoln. It's actually pretty legit. Um, and then, uh, moved to Philly for the PhD.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I should say at some point that we are here with uh, Dr. Tim Marie.
1: Yeah. Did I say it right?
0: <laughs> so much. But I was like, let's, wait, what's the most recent episode? Turn it back on real quick. Let's hear that <laughs> name. Uh, Dr. Tim Marie Schmidt, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ho- sexologist, host of uh, podcast uh, Sex with Tim Marie. Mm-hmm. I was on that show. It was very fun. I feel like that one flew by so quickly. Oh, yeah. It was like We're a good time. You. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and now I'm in Philadelphia. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, welcome to my spacious apartment. It's one room. Yeah, I like how you shadow
0: me. You, I was like, you guys have two cute skyscrapers. You're like, enjoy your 400 square foot apartment. <laughs> I actually live in a very nice duplex with 17 people. Oh, um, all right. No, but all right. I, I, I want to know more. You know, you said you knew you were by a really young age. Mm-hmm. What, what, what? Like, how far back?
1: Um, I don't. I think the earliest memories I have related to that would be like, uh so i'm playing with barbies right and sometimes barbies would date other barbies and sometimes they'd date ken's and ken's could date barbie's or ken and like it didn't occur to me that that wouldn't make sense mm. because it just had you know it, what matters is how it fit in the storyline because i had a very elaborate uh, soap opera like of all story the toys line. yeah they yeah. had like family legacies and like really bizarre jobs like i remember one of them was named candy and she worked for the u.n and like <laughs> there were affairs and there was you know like and like taboo and it was just yeah my toys
0: had grudges yeah my toys remembered shit that we did like three play dates ago <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like i still haven't forgotten gi joe
1: <laughs> and they come like sneaking up from behind. <laughs> I'm gonna cut your Barbie hair; it's not gonna grow back. Well, I'm
0: always interested in like what like early sexuality is like, and, and people who have like, you know, not the typical heteronormative lifestyle, and, and people who knew that early on. Like, I talked to Jillian Keenan; she said like she's always known since as far as she could remember, like spanking was mm-hmm. her thing. Me, I'm just like I. No one wanted to kiss me for as long as I can remember. <laughs> I knew I was like, oh, I'm just. A, I knew I was a loser for the longest time. So I'm always interested in people who just knew before they even knew what sex was, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I think about, um, like, I, I remember having distinctly adult fantasies as a kid. Mm. And in retrospect, being like, huh, I wonder what that's about. Because I, I remember having, like, interest in what would later be, I guess, sort of like the, the plot line of of a porn but I was a kid, like I hadn't even had it explained to me. You just never got to
0: the fucking part. <laughs> You're like the yeah, pizza man just delivers the pizza. Well, no, no, no. It feels was, tingly.
1: Wait, well, it was like it was very sensual in nature. Like there was definitely like erotic in nature. It was definitely like nudity was a component of it. But I didn't have like the nuts and bolts, right? Like the way that you like might bang two Barbies together. Right. You don't really know the the like ABCs of it yet, but you have like some kind of sense you've got like your innate sense of skin hunger as a human. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, are you familiar with skin hunger?
0: No, not at all, but it sounds awesome. Okay.
1: So skin hunger is it's like the human need for physical touch. Right. right? Like, and just because you don't need it like to the same degree that you need like oxygen and food, doesn't make it less necessary. And and also everybody has different thresholds for it and different levels of interest. But um we have plenty of studies that show that you have a demonstrable need for physical human touch and that it, that it has outcomes for both physical and psychological health. It is important for relationship maintenance and even just like community development. And that when, um, boys are allowed to have non-sexual touch with each other, that it's just associated with like getting along better and less violence. Um, people heal faster when they're getting regular physical touch, like in rehabilitation or hospitals, like post-surgery infants. Um, It's a demonstrable physical need. Um, And yet we don't act like that's true. So people act like sex is some kind of luxury, like you can live without it. And it's like, uh, Mm. I mean, you can, but like you can also live without like riboflavin. But should you? Like.
0: (laughs) Okay. I don't know what riboflavin (laughs) is. I
1: don't really know what it does, but that was just a a nutrient that comes to mind. Oh, it's a nutrient. Okay. Like I'm in, like I didn't
0: even know the class of noun that that was.
1: Okay. (laughs) Cause like if you don't get vitamin C, you'll get scurvy. But yeah. I don't know what happens if you don't get riboflavin. Probably but, organ failure. If
0: anyone knows, let yeah. me let me know.
1: Yeah. But. Anyway, so yeah, I was a little kid having having fantasies, and uh, gender was not a variable. And that's the thing. That's the thing about being bi is that it's not um, like it doesn't make sense to me that you would like that gender matters. Yeah. Like I think age matters to me more than gender does. Really. In terms of like who I want to bang, like yeah like who who sounds appealing and who does not like that's a way bigger variable that uh that matters in my decision than gender
0: is it uh the older, the less desirable for you, or what's
1: no, it's just more like there's a window there's a what's you know, your like, window? let's see at this point um, I would feel creepy dating someone uh twenty three or younger, okay, and I question someone's ability to keep up with me, who's like 40 or older. Uh, oh, wow. That is a tight window. Is it?
0: I don't know. I feel like 40s totally can still that's get a, down.
1: like a 16, 17-year window. You, you're in your window.
0: early 30s, right?
1: Yeah. That's just like a 16-year window. That's
0: still. I that's feel like taking out, the, taking out the 40-somethings.
1: Well, I'm not saying no to that. I'm just saying like it's really unlikely they'd be able to like stay out until 2, like 2 a.m. I feel like you lost and, a lot like, of listeners just there. Sorry. <laughs> this is, prove me wrong, then. There you go.
0: <laughs> I uh, yeah I mean I I'm tomorrow I'm doing an episode with a woman who was 38 when I was 21 and we hooked up when I was in college and I, and she like taught me the world. I don't That's know. Great. Yeah. I feel I feel like I feel like my most experienced lover was uh someone who was like my mom's age. Okay. You no know, when I was in college. I I I dig an older person. I'll take the 45-year-old over her 25-year-old counterpart almost any day of the week.
1: This is not to say that yeah. I preclude the possibility of it. Okay. This is just like um like for me in particular, my lifestyle makes it difficult for for me to date everybody, right? Like, yeah. I have a weird, uh, I have a weird variety of things that are deal breakers for people, right? Like, so I do burlesque. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's a deal breaker. They don't want to see their partner naked on stage in front of other that's
0: people. That's the that's the of all the stripper like things. Like that's the one you should most be able to handle.
1: Well, that's just one that's of them. So yeah. weird. Okay. So yeah, do burlesque. Uh, I'm Polly. I write about sex for a living. Um, I, you know, I have crazy hours. It is incredibly difficult for me to just like find time to see my friends, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, um, all of those things just add up to being kind of a pain in the ass to date. So I just figured like if, if somebody's interested in dating me, I'm like, yeah, you want to hang out at two in the morning when I get off of work? And they're like, no, I have a real job. Okay. Bye.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. The, 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 the real job thing can definitely be a factor. Yeah. Like it's weird so is it's weird to you that like if a if I'm at a party like a play party and a dude's like, Hey, can I blow you with my girlfriend? me saying no is weird to you in a sense, the idea that like I can't that that gender plays a factor
1: so i've I understand that not everybody's the same as me, but it's right. just like for me that's a really for me personally it feels like an arbitrary line to draw right um because especially when it's they're blowing you right because like you don't even have to do anything. And if you if you have an aversion to people, he's, like, he's a
0: very hairy guy.
1: Okay. I, I mean, like, <laughs> say no, no to whoever you want to for whatever no. reason. You know, absolutely. You can say no to, to someone who, like, you even find attractive just because well, you're geez. not in the mood. Whatever. But, um, like... To be a receptive partner of oral sex, you don't even have to like deal with a penis, like if you're not attracted to penises. So that to me feels like, okay, whatever. I think I think if
0: forced into a scenario, I feel like I'd rather do the blowing than receive the blowing. Because receiving a blowjob, I gotta be able to like maintain erection and like have orgasm. Like I'd have to I have to deal with the post mental stuff of that and the okay. self-questioning the blowing someone i feel like i i can disassociate and just like do it like it's a task like i'm doing laundry like i'm cleaning up
1: you okay know? but could you could you not disassociate during the receiving just as easily
0: no because like i think physiologically i gotta be in a headspace to have an erection and to have the orgasm
1: okay i'm not suggesting yeah. this i'm not suggesting people do this but like if need be, you could, like, go to fantasy, right? I Like, I'm, you could just, like, roll I'm, back some some.
0: I struggle with the fantasy stuff. From, yeah? Yeah, I, I really am, like, super in that moment. I have a hard time, like, taking myself out. Like, I... I, I, have I appreciate a, yeah. that.
1: That's great that you're, like, actually present in the moment. That's fantastic. That's the thing that I'm, like, actively trying to teach people to do. Because a lot of people have a problem being present during a sexual scenario. They're thinking about... So the other stuff they have to do, yeah. they're thinking about like other drama in their lives and they're worried about what they look like. And Oh, don't worry. I'm worried about that stuff too. But <laughs> okay. Don't worry. I'm very worried about what I look
0: like. I, I just hate five guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling very bloated. <laughs> it's, but you know, like, you know, some people they could try to get themselves to come like, well, let me think about this other thing. Let me think about someone hotter. I can't do that because then I start thinking about the fact that I'm thinking about someone hotter and now I'm getting into this like neurotic loop.
1: Oh, of of gotcha. whatever,
0: and then next thing you know, I'm a limp noodle. Oh. Can't do it.
1: Yeah. All right. So I guess, I guess the the questions that I usually have for monosexuals, people who are specifically attracted to one gender or another, You get a name. Oh yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. If you're, <laughs> you know, because we feel so left out. Because <laughs> well, if the world treats you like you're the default, you don't need a name, right? Sure, sure. No, I know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. For for monosexuals, I'm just kind of like, all right. So when you see, like. The, the genitalia, for instance, of the sex to which you were not attracted. I want to know more about the emotion that it evokes. Because some people say things like disgust. And some other people say just like neutral. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that you could react. And I'm just sort of like curious about that kind of thing. Because like, fucking somebody in the ass is a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. That's not just like, I'm not into I'm not into penises. But like, um, but butts are a different thing. Like, i personally i'll play with a butt it's not my thing but if it comes up in porn i'm actually like this is not mine and you're taking me out of it now Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's just my thing and i I understand that it's incredibly incredibly pleasurable to a lot of people they have a lot of joy for it and that makes me so happy that they have that for me it's again it's not a gender thing it's everybody's butts and i'm just like okay i don't know why that just that took me out of it yeah i don't know
0: my girlfriend got and i got into a huge fight uh early on in the relationship because she likes anal uh, I like pleasing. Mm-hmm. I'm not personally into anal. Okay. And she wouldn't ever let me fuck her in the ass because she didn't think I wanted to fuck her in the ass. I'm like, oh. I don't want to fuck you in the ass, but I want to fuck you in the ass because I know yeah. you like being fucked in the ass. And oh. it was this anger loop of fighting. No. Like, we both were <sighs> fighting over anal sex neither of us really wanted to have.
1: Oh, I want you to
0: want it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, just take um that's the best i can do i
1: find a lot of joy in exactly what you're saying like providing pleasure so i have provided much anal pleasure to people and i am ecstatic about it in the moment Mm -hmm. because it's like i am doing this thing that causes this reaction from you and that makes me so happy so like i'm all about that i'm not about it in porn because in porn, it's like, I'm not doing it. This is not a feedback loop related mm. to me at all. This is like just very clinical feeling to me now. Because I've seen a lot of porn through my job, right? So I see a lot of anal sex and it's like, it doesn't evoke arousal. It's just kind like, all right, this is basically like a medical thing to me, right? Right. At this point. So, um, so in person is very different too. There's that as well.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I think when, uh, you know, on that question of, like, what do, what do, as, a, as a monosexual, I'm going <laughs> to put down my Tinder bio now. Yeah. Um, no, So, you know, I think w- maybe I'm a little different because, like, I go to sex parties, and the sex parties I go to happen to be very queer parties. So, like, I on Saturday night, like, I watched three dudes all blow each other, and it was very neutral. I don't know. Okay. Um, it was just like seeing an, a really ugly woman to me. It was just like I'm not disgusted. I just don't have a desire for it.
1: Okay, so my like I was guessing what I thought you were going to say, and I thought it was going to be more like watching, like I don't know, three gazelles get it on or something. Three gazelles get it on. You know, just like oh, oh man, yeah, I that's... can't tell which would be
0: more or less attractive. Um, no, uh, definitely I can handle the the guys doing that. I mean, when I, the night I met my girlfriend, uh we ended up on this like mattress space, and like I was getting a blowjob, and literally. Right next to me was a guy getting blow by another dude, and I was like, "Whatever, I don't, I just don't watch typically." Okay, I don't know. Three gazelles fucking each other. I don't know. I like how you jump to three. You're like, well, maybe two doesn't gross them out, but three gazelles fucking each other. Well, no, just too much. you said
1: it was three. So oh, was it's was like, three. Yeah, you know, it could be like three robots. <laughs> okay, it could be three like boxes hitting each other in the wind. Whatever. And what's so
0: weird is all three of those things. Are very niche types of porn that probably exist.
1: Oh, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. Uh, I did an interview last night with a woman who her intro to doing porn was through fart porn.
0: Kelsey obsession.
1: Yeah. Oh, Kelsey's great. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, such a nice person. She's been on the show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I just had this, you know, question for her, like, okay, so if that's your route into porn, like that's a very specific intro, Mm -hmm. right? Like how did that affect like your view of it? You know? So we talked about that a little bit, but, um, my, my partner was super excited because talking to Kelsey obsession yesterday, I was talking to her about, um, how was this related? Like, so let's say you have a, a, a really, really strong interest in, in fart porn. You have a really strong interest in fart play in your sexual life. And she said, yeah. And some folks, you know, might also have like a feces interest. I was like, how do you bring that up? In the context of dating. Like, at what point do you bring that up? Because
0: her husband at some point had to bring it up. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And it's like, is that date three? You know? Like, probably not before date three, but probably not after. Like, that's seems uh-huh. like a, a good point. Mm-hmm. So, I got to bring up the fact that my, my partner has a three date man thing threshold. So, my partner is obsessed with this obscure Marvel character man thing.
0: Like, yeah, that's pretty obscure. I feel super, like I've never heard.
1: Super obscure. Uh, and he ha- he wrote a chapter in a, a book called Geeks Guide to Dating about the three date man thing threshold. You don't bring it up before then, and then you start introducing uh, it <laughs> because you don't want to,
0: like... Bringing out the weird shit.
1: Yeah. And so uh, the fact that I talked to a, a fart porn star about man thing made him very, very happy.
0: Now, is he, like, sexually into man thing, or it's just that he's very geeky and...
1: Oh, he's just a huge geek. I don't okay. think he's into man thing, but if he was, like, he knows I'd be cool with it. You'd be cool with that. You'd be <laughs> like, fine. Be like, yeah. I mean, man thing itself is like a joke for a dick. right? <laughs> like, uh, it would be not at all surprising. to That find sounds it out.
0: like what like three lesbians sing in a coffee shop would refer to a penis as. Oh, uh, and then he, the guy on the train, whipped out his man thing, <laughs> and just yeah. started beating it. And I really, um, those are really nice uh, Birkenstocks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like your asymmetrical undercut.
0: <laughs> what is that? I do not
1: oh, asymmetrical
0: it? undercut? Yeah, is that the, the hairstyle. Oh the hairstyle. okay. Yeah. I'm look, I do not know how to dress myself or <laughs> style myself. So all those things are uh, are alien to me.
1: I I don't know yeah. anything about No, what that are you talking about? Is. You've
0: got cool pink hair and you do
1: I don't do this myself. I hand myself over to a professional <laughs> and I do not re- make requests. I just, she knows that I can get away with whatever. Cause I don't have like a corporate job or whatever. Yeah. So she's she can like, just have fun with you. Yeah. So a couple years ago she was just like, may I use your head? I'm like, sure. So 10 hours later, uh, is. I'm a natural redhead. She's bleached it all out. And she then puts in orange and pink that glows under black light. And I was like, well, this is my life now. Right. <laughs> like, you just like don't get to live a life like a normal person after that when you just walk around looking like an anime character. And I was like really pleasantly surprised by how liberating that is because people's expectations are different. Um, and so since then, I've stuck to like weird stuff. So right now I have like three or four different colors, like purple, blonde, like a bunch of stuff in here. But um, yeah, that is not she's in charge of my head, not me. Okay. Yeah.
0: So how's like a queer kid from Nebraska end up as a sexologist in Philly?
1: Because uh, I, I, f- I heard that the job existed. Somebody said so-and-so's mom is a sex therapist. I was like, what? That's a job? <laughs> I'd, I'd been planning on being a cinematographer. Uh, that had been my game plan. I was going to go to NYU. I was going to oh. go into cinematography. That was my whole thing. Um, and then for some reason had the bizarre realization that it would actually be more practical to go into sexuality professionally. Um and so I went and got a, a psych degree and then my plan was sex therapy. I, I realized uh counseling actually was not for me. That's not really my jam education is. So um I found the program where I got my PhD. It's the only one um in the nation that is that is nationally accredited. I had There's I, only
0: one place to get a PhD in sex.
1: There is another PhD in California, but it's only accredited in California.
0: So where where was your PhD?
1: It's at Widener University. Okay. So I also teach there uh, now. Uh, I dissertated in 2010, and I've been teaching there since. Good old um,
0: Widener. Yeah. <laughs> With their, their mascot, the... The Pride. The Pride? Okay. Yeah.
1: No, I just happen to have a panda. She does
0: have a disembodied panda head next yeah, to me. Yeah, I am very into It's not pandas. weird at all.
1: <laughs> it's not it's weird. Not weird at all. It'd be weird if I gave this interview wearing it, though.
0: <laughs> That's bonus content. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i went there and uh there had been a program at nyu but it got shut down um because like whoever was president at the time had died and they had been supportive of the program and then the next person was fucking
0: not. john sexton i bet that asshole yeah i went to nyu
1: oh sexton okay.
0: was a dick
1: yeah um but okay okay so yeah that's so you just I'm... wanted to be
0: able to like learn and talk and teach about sex
1: yeah, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this degree, but I know that this is what I want to do with my life, uh, that, that I want to make it, um, I want to give this information to people because it's being denied to them. And I think that's a fundamental uh, human rights thing.
0: But when do you become aware that you were even interested and passionate about that? Oh,
1: I mean, I was a little kid because, again, I was a weirdo and I liked reading a lot. And I was really political and um, I would... Political nine-year-old? yeah i was super super into like arguing with adults about
0: um i I demand
1: nap time well no i just (laughs) i remember being a little kid and 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 at first thinking like i can't wait till i'm adult and i know everything because adults know everything right and then i remember the first time sean healy's mom said something that i knew was factually inaccurate and i went oh no oh no because that means that you don't know everything when you're an adult, that there are stupid adults. And I was like starting to piece it together. I'm like, oh no. They're, it's not it's not a binary like that. You, uh no. So I grow up then like arguing with adults. because like, you have every reason to know this. Why don't you know this? And I would get really mad. I'm like, I'm only like 13 and I know this. So I'd argue with, with teachers about, you know, whatever I felt like. It was a lot of feminist stuff. It was mm-hmm. a lot of like gay rights stuff. It was a lot of, Politics very intolerant things. area well yeah. they're they're just like not exposed to much
0: well were you out like in high school or not till college
1: i was yeah i was pretty out and and even if i hadn't been you would have pieced it together okay. <laughs> like it was pretty obvious but um yeah i was just super into that and and it was this two-sided coin where people would be overtly like really You know, they call me a skank. They thought I was a slut, even though I wasn't actually like sexually active at the time. I just talked about it openly. And that's really what that's really what's taboo in America, right? Not doing it, but talking about it. So I got a lot of blowback for that. But then the same people would, you know, like take me aside and spend an hour or two telling me like their their trauma or their relationship difficulties or their questions that they have. And we'd have this very, very intimate personal conversation where uh, I was effectively doing a lot of the education they should have gotten in school. And, and these are stu-
0: like fellow students. Yeah.
1: These are people that I went to school with. And then, you know, I would I would just give them the practical information they needed that they should have been given by the adults in their lives.
0: Isn't it amazing if you just are the person who is open and honest and talks about sex a lot? People flock to you, okay. even if you don't even know them. Mm-hmm. I got... I got a question from a comedian who I'm not tight with, but he's just hit me up. Be like, "Hey, my girlfriend wants to like maybe try nonmonogamy or go to a sex party. Don't fucking know anything about it, and you're the only one who posts tweets on it. So like, what do you got? Yeah, it's like weird because like I don't fucking know you, but they have questions, and yeah. I don't know who else is gonna who the fuck else.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, when when I identify myself as a sex educator, sex professional, whatever, I mean people will tell me stuff that they haven't told their partner of, you know, however long and I'm like I think the first step would be talking to the partner, right? Like right. this isn't you know, I can't answer for them. I can't tell you, but uh, it's a lot of like it's a lot of really permission giving. Like they want they want basically me to be their clergy to like say like it's going to be okay, you know, like God won't judge you, you're not a bad person. Mm-hmm. You're you're not crazy. You're this isn't a this isn't a terrible thing. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of that, and then it's really basic information that like people just simply did not have access to or don't know how to look up. They don't know where to even go to look it up. They're gonna like Google it and find a bunch of porn ads, and that may or may not be helpful. The Manhore
0: podcast is proudly sponsored by the Pure app. A very special fan whore Kenzie actually fucked a fella from Pure recently. And she has her own testimonial she wants to share with you.
2: I travel a lot, and when I'm only in town for a few days, with how flaky people can be and how difficult it is to coordinate, most dating apps are basically useless for a quick hookup. Finally, I decided to give Pure a shot, and within seconds of activating my request, I was overwhelmed with mostly dick pics, but amidst that, I found an attractive, tattooed hipster boy. It was both of our first times on the app, and after about a half hour of awkward small talk, I drove 15 miles across the city to meet him outside his apartment. Not only was I not catfished, he was even more attractive in person than in his picture. We walked to a nearby bar, had a few beers, some surprisingly great conversation, and then he invited me back to his apartment. We managed to break the tension by starting to make out, and after a few minutes of that, we were naked in his living room fooling around. He was fingering me. I started sucking his really excellent dick, and that, of course, escalated into rough and enthusiastic fucking. And after he had come, he went down on me to ensure that I was taken care of. After getting each other off and getting off of each other, We hung out naked, enjoying each other's bodies and company for another 20 minutes or so before I was back on my way. Within four hours of first activating my request, I had gotten exactly what I wanted out of the night. No strings attached. And I'm very much looking forward to using this app all over the world.
0: Download the Pure app today on the App Store or Google Play. Pure. The hookup app that says it's a hookup app. Now back to the show. Th- th- that first person who kind of absolves you of like the guilt of being into what you're into is like so powerful. I mean, did you have that type of a moment at some point as a kid or were you just always very self but Like, yeah, like I like boys. I like girls. and I don't give a fuck about any of these people.
1: For me, it was instrumental that I had access to media, which is why I use media to do education because mm. – Where I grew up, there weren't there weren't going to be adults that were role models like that. Um, I don't I don't know that they would have wanted to live there, and if they had lived there, they would have been very closeted about those sort of things. Certainly to a kid, sure. Like I left that town before I was seventeen. They wouldn't have talked to me about it. Like it would have been inappropriate, probably. So um, I remember most of the modeling I got was really from like queer movies, right? Like so, Angelina Jolie is in Gia on HBO. And it's about Gia Carangi, this, like, lesbian model. And there's, like, lesbian sex scenes that changed my damn life. And, and I was just like, well, there's no denying it. Like, I know this I know this to be true about myself now. And it's, and it's not even necessarily that that told me it was okay. It was just that, like, well, face facts. Like, this is who you are. And that's fine. And getting to see independent films about, like, queer kids and, and just seeing even documentaries just about different ways of life outside of where I grew up was was a game changer just because ultimately the message I needed to get was not specifically that you are okay and all the things that you are into are okay but just that there's a lot of options that there the the mere idea that there's only one thing that's okay is what's wrong and to grow up in a very homogenous place with a very this is what people do and they do it at this age and this is this is what a wife looks like and this is when you have kids, and you have this many kids, and all of that kind of stuff. Just to learn that, like, that's not how it is everywhere. That was the real game changer.
0: Yeah. As a, as a sexologist, do you have a particular like focus niche? Like, um, uh, what's the word? I'm a I'm an idiot right now. Focus. Yeah, that's probably a word, right? Focus is a word. Focus is a word. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. I know I know a few <laughs> words. I went to NYU. No big deal. <laughs> um, but do you have a particular like focus? Uh.
1: So as a, um, as a sexologist, I, I do a few different things. One that I end up doing on a social media lot is focusing on like the social justice angle of it. So like LGBT rights, um, feminism, sex positivity as a as a social justice issue, that kind of stuff. Um, my dissertation and some of my other research focuses also on like wellness. So sexual wellness would include, you know, just all of the things to take care of your body your body, your emotional, spiritual health, (laughs) um, finding that sort of like sustainable balance in your life so that you're doing things that like make you happy and also like are physically good for you that science has shown us. Um, I'm also super into, uh, again, like media representations. What are we learning from the stories that were told? Because like we form our ideas about how relationships should look somewhat on what's around us and also somewhat on like having seen it in movies and TV shows. So um, breaking down media messages and why we get the messages we do from whom, at what times, mm. who sponsored the ads during that and why does that affect it. Um, talking about that kind of stuff with, uh, with young people is, is really cool because you get a sense of like what media they're into and how the messaging is different for someone who's coming up now versus someone like my age versus someone older. Um, how is it different? It's definitely much more queer friendly queer friendly, much more uh feminist informed. Like people coming up now are so cool. I was just reading earlier this afternoon about the CYO basketball team that was co ed and CYO. It's just like a like it's a, a Catholic youth, youth league okay. basketball team. They're like uh I don't remember what grade they were. Pretty young though. They're like middle school, something like that. And uh, they had been co-ed for like four years. And then for some reason, there was some rule or something was going to come up where they they weren't going to be allowed to be co-ed if they wanted to continue that season. Uh, They were going to have to, what was going to happen is they're going to have to kick the girls off. Mm. And the team um, was presented with their options by the coach who was just like, well, here's what's up. And they voted unanimously to forfeit the season rather than to kick off the girls.
0: That's pretty fucking cool.
1: And I was like, hell yeah. When I was in middle school, I wanted to go be on the wrestling team. And I had every reason to be on there. My dad had been a coach. I had been training with the boys wrestling team of high schoolers since I was a kid. And I went in there more prepared than any of the boys. And they would not coach me. Without
0: like a separate women's team or anything. No. Right. Yeah. It was
1: just like, you don't know. Girls don't do that. And like to have this sea change since then where like a high schooler now to call somebody like a fag, call somebody gay, like I'm sure it still happens in a bullying way, but it's way less prevalent. And you're more likely to get other kids to like, that's stupid that you're doing that. Like that's homophobic. That's, that's whack. It's
0: like in 21 jump street, where it's like all the kids are super yes! like eco-friendly and, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, theater's fun. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. Like kids are getting more woke and like, I'm, I'm so stoked for, for, the progression going forward of that stuff.
0: Now is that is that from do you think that's from media? Do you think that's from parents
1: teaching their kids right? I think all of the above, right? Like so, you know, people my age are having kids, right? And like my age is more aware of it than our parents were and vice versa. So, like people are are parenting more progressively and then of course the media is a little bit more progressive. I think about the the mom in Ohio that I know who her her lesbian daughter she just couldn't accept her couldn't accept her and then glee changed her mind the show glee made her realize on top of providing amazing soundtracks (laughs) that billy
0: proceeded could buy on itunes (laughs) which was like some of the only music i've actually paid money for can also change some lives (laughs)
1: yeah yeah so yeah i think it's a it's a combination because it's you know like on um on queer rate stuff it's it's it used to be years ago, like the biggest predictor of whether or not you were cool with gay people was whether or not you knew one, knew one right. <laughs> And now it's like, do you know anyone who doesn't know gay people? I don't. I personally yeah. can't think of anyone I know who doesn't they know they might gay...
0: they might be in Nebraska. That well, might be where the, the last of them are.
1: yeah, and it's also like you know me. so you already know yeah. one quiver who... <laughs> is inherently a problem with with the research methods there. but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that stuff changing. I, kids are getting more conservative in some other ways, which makes it interesting um, because they actually are more likely to be uh, anti-abortion and they are less likely to have as many sexual partners as like their parents' generation.
0: I did read about that. That I think is nuts that they're uh, think people are getting a little bit more prudent uh-huh. than previous generations. But the anti-abortion thing, that, that boggles my mind.
1: Well, part of it's because it's never been illegal in their lives they
0: don't know what it's like to uh, yeah they don't have
1: any concept of and they're
0: also fucking less people so they're like oh it's not going to be a problem
1: yeah i think there's a little bit of that and it's uh the the anti-abortion movement among young women has taken on has appropriated quite frankly the language of social justice movements so they want to treat abortion issues the same way you would treat like a Black lives matters. A
0: human's rights issue. Yeah, yeah.
1: they're gonna treat it like protecting. Forget that it's
0: not really a human yet.
1: Yeah, protecting a marginalized population. It's like it's it's a, uh it's not a marginalized I am not the fucking system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I am an individual person. <laughs> yeah. I still have bodily autonomy. Sorry, like that's cute and all. I really appreciate the thought exercise, but nah.
0: But are these like anti abortion kids also like pro queer rights?
1: I'm not sure. Because it's so
0: weird to me to even think about those like intersecting.
1: I'm sure. Just like it's weird for
0: me to think about like the anti-trans feminists. Like we're like, what? Uh, Really? We want you're going to stop at that point.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, so TERFs. They're trans exclusionary radical feminists. Um, Ugly name. Ugly name. Yeah. Um, So like coming up as a young feminist, I remember reading that stuff being like, what do I think about this? Um, sort of forming my opinion on on what where do I fall in feminism and I remember thinking like well that just seems mean like why would you just pick some women and be like you don't get to be a part of this but I was also you know I was like trying to understand it culturally because their argument it's like you were socialized as a male and so you still got a male privilege and you're going to try to interject yourself into a space that is women and I'm like getting like okay I get Why you say that and if you're coming from a place of like lots of trauma from men wanting to exclude anything that seems male like to you, but it's also like, are we better off when we, when we decide for other people what their identity is? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that, that we are. And if somebody wants to be a part of a, a movement and I don't know, I have personally like a ton of empathy for trans women. I feel like, um, I feel like I, I don't know their ex- like I don't know the experience, but I do know what it's like to be seen as f- femaling wrong, to be a bad to be a woman incorrectly. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that to have to be told that no, that's not what you're allowed to do. That's not what you're supposed to do, and it's because I was just being a punk ass and I was being like, you know, sex positive when you're not supposed to be, you know, like radically open about being a slut and whatever and being queer and so like i get that piece of it so i'm i'm just at this point i'm like trans exclusionary feminist sex worker exclusionary feminist i'm like come on it's 2017
0: the empathy angle is um i feel like that's an experience a lot of people have to go through because like i remember a time where i didn't think trans women were women i just had to like figure that out and like learn it I remember not hating trans people. I, I I don't remember being like kill the trannies. I just remember being like, yeah, but like, are you really a woman? Um, I, I had that experience with trans people. I had that experience with um, sex workers. I had that experience with even like trans people like on Craigslist. That that was like a topic of debate with of like how to post mm. because Craigslist has a T for M or T for F. Like you yeah. you you post as a T. Um, I remember getting to like a discussion where like a, like a trans dude friend of mine who's like no but like I am a man so why can't I just put male i would be like yeah but also like genital – I know it's it, I don't know I, I think the process of education I don't know even know the point I'm trying to make but the the process of like, the process of, like self-education well cuz it's th- not
1: just you're in a vacuum and then it's like confusing it's also you are you are actively overcoming your entire lifetime of education that said Gender is entirely composed of genitals, mm. uh, as though this is some sort of biological fact. And anybody who tells you that it is is like ignoring—I mean, a chromosomes—because um, we have plenty of evidence. One in a hundred births is intersex. Like that yeah, alone. Can you
0: explain the intersex should, thing? I still yeah, don't sure. entirely understand. Because I used to just think it was hermaphrodites. I think a lot of people still—they hear intersex, they think. That that book Middlesex, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's like what most people think.
1: So uh, but it's more than so that. So take now, it all right? the way, all the way back, because this is going to be, this is like so fundamental. Everyone, to,
0: grab a snack, uh, <laughs> okay? Take a bath. No, um, take a bathroom break. Bring the podcast with you to the bathroom. You yeah. can do that. It's amazing. Um. Yeah. So,
1: th- so this is like a fundamental thing we have to always talk about the very first day of any like sex ed class that's going to be like a semester long or whatever. Is the difference between first of all, sex versus gender? We just have to establish that that sex is we're referring to biological stuff, gender we're referring to, um. The, the feeling of who you are and how you express that outwardly. So that's going to mm. be like the pronouns you use, the clothes you wear, the, the, the way you live your life. Uh, the biology piece is like what, what parts do you have? You know What chromosomes do you have? What, what levels of hormones do you have? So that's just the basic. So we talk about a fetus having bigonadal potentiality. That's bi for two, gonadal Referring gonads. to Gonads. Yeah, referring to gonads. Okay. And potentiality being like it could go either way. So some people will say like fetuses are inherently female, and that's not exactly true. Uh they have the they have the possibility of being either. It is a series of things that happen. Um you have to have all this stuff happen in a specific order at specific times, you know, in order to have 10 toes with toenails on them you have to have a series of things happen to make sure that your heart's on the inside of your rib cage you have to have you know enough folic acid to make sure that like um you don't end up with spina bifida like all the stuff that goes into development uh same kind of stuff is happening with the genitals so you end up with these parts that could go Either way, this particular piece could either turn into the head of a penis or it could be a clit. This other piece over here could either be scrotum or it could be labia. labia. Um, And that's true for all the parts. They all have analogous structures. And in the course of that development, a lot of the time, they go into what we would identify as male genitalia. And a lot of the time, they go into what we would say, that's female genitalia. And that is internal and external parts. But also a lot of the time it's something in between or some variation. There is, a, like I said, a one in a hundred live births. Which is a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot where that's where it's not as cut and dry as, as this binary would suggest. And some of them are obvious uh, because the external genitalia are somehow ambiguous. I'm using air quotes. Or some sort of mixture. Um, or it's very often a case where somebody looks like we're going to call them this and then later it's uh the development doesn't go the direction we expect it to uh based on what what happens usually or it could be something that like the external looks like one way but the internal organs don't match so someone
0: could have like a penis but have like a shit ton of estrogen
1: they might have like ovaries okay so somebody is likely to find this out because they can't figure out why they and their partner are getting pregnant and then they go and they're like, maybe it's because you don't have a uterus. You know, something like that. Um,
0: there's just like women or women seeming people just walking around without a uterus and not knowing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, why would you know?
0: I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a woman.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, you don't, you know. You I don't, don't know if you just like
0: feel that floating in there.
1: Uh, there's, I mean, there's there's so many, um, there's so many variations on, on human bodies. By the and... way, thanks
0: for not saying Billy doesn't float. It's, uh, it's not... <laughs> So Because that is the second time I've accidentally referred to it like that. Yeah. That's fine. Um, <laughs> That's
1: fine. However you want to picture it. But um, yeah, so what, what that ends up meaning is uh, it's not as cut and dry as people want to suggest. And if they want to say that it's a biological fact, then come at me. We'll talk about all the syndromes where somebody's got, you know, two X's and a Y. We'll talk about like huevadoches, uh, which is like this, uh, it's exit at 12 um it's a it's a thing that, that, pops just, that up. that sounds like something i order yeah it's it's a thing that pops up i think it's the dominican republic is where it is there's it's a caribbean country and i'm sorry that i'm messing this up right now but uh it's a very common thing where someone will um look female and then around the age of 12 testicles drop penis grows they start having Wait, what male puberty they had been what it is not uncommon so they
0: grow that- with like a pussy and a clit and then all of a sudden just dick
1: So the thing about female genitalia is we don't pay a lot of attention to it. We don't value it. And so if it's not a penis, we assume it's female. Sure. And that's what we tend to do with intersex kids is if it's not a really obvious penis and we're like, "Mm," what they have historically done, and this is incredibly unethical, is cut off what there is of the penis and raise them as a girl. Like that is the history of like corrective stuff for intersex people. And it's super unethical and in many cases they didn't tell the kids and they didn't understand why they felt the way they did so
0: that's like the how you could explain someone like who thinks they're a female but doesn't have a uterus cuz maybe they chopped the dick off when they were
1: i mean so again sex versus gender right the sure. way that you feel is not really necessarily the same thing as like what your what your body parts of are course, so you can yeah. feel you can feel super feminine and be like hairy and have a dick and all that kind of stuff and that's that's fine um and really we have to think about gender masculinity femininity not being a spectrum where you dial from one to the other it's not like when i add femininity i'm taking away from masculinity thinking about it as different dials so i can dial up my femininity i can dial up my masculinity they can both be high they can both be low you can be agender there are people who identify as agender so so that's like a really important thing to think about it's not it's not one or the other in that adding to one takes away instead it's like they are separate things, and your masculinity your femininity are separate constructs so this, and then but this is where your I get... biology is a separate piece from that
0: yeah no th- we're, and, and I think we're slowly starting to get to a point where people are realizing, especially in like the trans discussion, that those are different things mm-hmm. but the my my issue with the concept of gender is like aren't we getting to a place where we don't even need that concept anymore as soon as we've like learned that like Biological sex does not necessarily mean whether you're going to be more feminine or masculine. and But if we're also getting to a place where being, quote, unquote, like being a man or what being like hashtag like a girl, right? If that stuff is making all of it not matter anymore, then the fuck do we care about gender? Like why – like a really tough chick – who may seem more masculine? Why isn't she just a really tough chick? Why is we? Why do we have to refer to her as like a masculine woman?
1: I mean, I would just yeah. ask her how she wants to be referred to. Like, but um, know, what like, I'm saying is, the like, is isn't what, the concept of gender becoming
0: less relevant?
1: I mean, potentially, or or we just celebrate a wider variety of it. Like the fact that it's not a binary doesn't make it not relevant. I mean, you can for some people, that's absolutely the the answer for them is like that yeah fuck gender like i can't i can't be put in a box so why are we even bothering with this and for other people this is the problem with boxes in general Sure, sure, sure. Is like we want to get rid of the boxes because the boxes are too confining but also at the same time boxes are helpful ways to illustrate concepts because like rather than telling you 17 words i can tell you this title yeah and i can tell you the word poly right and that's a box but it also gives you an idea and I instead of explaining to you all of the minutia and the details, I have given you one word, and we now get each other yeah. a little bit better. So that's the thing with boxes.
0: Well, I mean, I meant gender as in, like, as once we separated yeah. it from sex, because for so long it basically was, you know, inter- interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so as soon as we separate those, it seems like gender isn't even a thing we need. That's just, that's Jim, and that's how Rachel is. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost seems like we don't even need to...
1: Yeah, I guess this, it sort of it yeah. depends on the context, right? Because um, one of the one of the things about uh, queer orientations is that it allows us to think about so what what is it that I'm actually into, right? Because when I ask you what's your sexual orientation, what do you say?
0: I say straight. Okay, so what lonely. you lonely actually... is lonely an orientation? <laughs> I would say that sometimes Some before this be girlfriend, lonely. I would have said that. Yeah.
1: Okay, <laughs> so the the answer straight. Um, is, you know, pretty common or someone would say something like heterosexual or they'd say homosexual or gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, you know, whatever. What that answer what that that is answering is actually the question how does your gender relate to the gender of the people you have sex with? Mm-hmm. That's the question you're actually answering. You're not actually telling me who you're into, how you like to do it, how important it is to you, how often you do it, how many people are there, are there whips and chains? Do you need to have humiliation involved? Is it important that you love that person? Do you
0: need man thing?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I want to just get people to think about sexual orientation more broadly and really say like, okay, so what am I actually into? That's my orientation. What who are the people to whom I attracted? What? It's
0: like which genitalia, if it matters, if or you attracted? If that matters, yeah. then yeah. It's time for the fan whore appreciation moment. Yep, this is the part of the show where I like to thank just a few of my uh, supporters on Patreon. Give them a little shout out for, for their pledges. Like Ed B., he's been around for a long time, supporting me at all sorts of levels, but he's always in the group, uh, always committed to the cause. I also want to say thank you to Megan S., who I have seen uh, go through different last names. That's how long she's been supporting this show. You're awesome. Also, uh, phenomenal tits on that one. Laura C., uh, you're a fresher fan whore, and I'm glad to have you around. Thanks for being here. And and lastly, I want to say a thank you to Betsy, because I, I just love the name Betsy. I think it's just an adorable name. Thank you to you, and thank you to all of my supporters on Patreon. If you're not uh, familiar with Patreon, it's kind of like a monthly fan club subscription meets Kickstarter. You choose how much money you want to pledge each month, and depending on how much money you pledge, you get various types of rewards. Rewards include bonus episodes to the podcast, access to our super secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room, and much, much more. Join the club today by making a pledge at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash manhore podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without y'all. Now back to the show.
1: Like there are people that I know who identify as like gay men, and they're like, you know, I'll I'll date a um a, a trans woman with a penis before i would date a trans man without because my interest is actually in the penis so they're they're like phallocentrically oriented like they're phallophilic
0: you're not into vaginas i'm not saying me oh oh i thought you were talking about you no okay, no, sorry, no. Sorry, for, sorry. I for me it's you irrelevant. were talking about hypothetical right yeah. okay
1: i know i know like gay yeah. men who would identify as gay men and like but we'll what they what they're saying is that i'm interested in penis yeah
0: Right. Like last night, not, I uh, not man. Yeah, like last night, I was on Craigslist because I was like, "I'm going to Philadelphia. Let's see if there's anything to do or someone to do." Right? <laughs> um, and there was an ad that was like for like a edging type scene. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, inter- like seems fun." I've never done like specifically an edging thing. I've just lasted really long during happy ending massages. They probably didn't like that. Uh. But <laughs> uh, but the edging thing, I answer it. They said you should be like queer friendly. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay. I was like, maybe she has like a really cool haircut uh, by answer. And then it turns out that it's a trans man. And I was like, okay, because it was under, it was under F for M. And I said, and and they said like, Hey, would that be an issue? I said, honestly, it'll, it would, I'd have to see a picture. Cause like, depending on how much they pass or don't pass, I was like, I could probably, and it's also just a hand job. I was like, "Eh, I could maybe be into it. And they sent a picture back and I had, text, uh, I had to text him and be like, hey, uh, I, I'm gonna have to, I got your picture, I have to pass, but it's for good reasons because you pass like a motherfucker. Like I couldn't even pretend that you're a woman in my head. And, and then we ended up getting a really interesting discussion about how he posts here in Philly, how like on M4M ads gets flagged because has a vagina. Mm. But then on F 4 m ads gets like straight dudes like me who freak out more often uh, that like, you know, That he looks the way he looks. I mean, so yeah. I so for like me, it's more clear to say like I like vaginas attached to people who look, you know, feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, I know. I think, but I think we're progressing to a point where like it's becoming less and less. uh, Hopefully, we get people just being very specific.
1: Yeah, I think about that. I think what matters is that you feel like it's okay to say what you want, and that you are empowered to be who you are and to express your desires and to you know, approach the people you want to and ask for things like, not necessarily like, will you, but like, this is what I would like to do. And, um, I previously had a, a guest on my show, Alex Bove. He, uh, he does, um, talk like a man. So he does like a lot of, uh, masculinity studies. And, uh, he, he was just talking about how even, even just asking for things can also feel a little bit like is taking away consent because like, if I ask you can I stick a finger up your butt right now I've given you basically like the option to say yes or no and then maybe it's awkward right and mm. then we have to be adults about it he said what if instead we just go you know what I feel like I would really like to put a finger in your butt and then I leave it up to you right I'd be so, like I, you know okay okay no. yeah so then if you're into it like you're like here you go and if you're not you're like huh and then we just go interesting forward. thought
0: <laughs> yeah interesting thought exactly. can you pass the salt please thanks
1: yeah. if we just make if we make sexuality that way and, and same thing with like just expressing your interest in whatever else so like um, then you don't you're like you're not doing gay right you're not doing straight right you mm. are doing you yeah and expressing your particular needs because that's way more sustainable
0: yeah, it's easier to be Billy or to be Tim. Do they call you Tim sometimes? Sure. Okay. It's easier to be Tim. It's easier to be Billy than to, like, be... Because, like, I'm a terrible man. I'm a terrible <laughs> straight man. Ask anyone who knows me. Um, I got some questions from a partner of mine. I said I'm, t- I'm talking to a sex therapist person, mm-hmm. and she had a couple questions, so I wanted to get those out before you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, was the, f- the first one was... Um, one time this dude I was fucking who turned out to be multi orgasmic could just keep going on forever, to the point where he could take a pee break after a certain point, as far as I could tell, and he was still hard. Like he was still hard when he came back and just jumped right back in there, picking up exactly where we left off. So her question is, um, what the fuck is that a thing?
1: <laughs> well, it's apparently a thing if it happened to you, right? Like, that's that's your answer. <laughs>
0: that's that's what I said. Um, is that like a.
1: The most confusing thing about that was actually the pee because there is, you know, like the like the difficulty of maintaining an erection while peeing. I mean, I think you could probably speak to that from an anecdotal.
0: If it's not waking up in the morning, then, yeah, it can be difficult because there's like a switch, right? There's like almost like a little
1: sphincter that basically makes it impossible to pee and ejaculate at the same time. Right. right? Like so. uh, So that's an interesting element uh, of that story. I would like to hear more about. But
0: but like our men with near not like non-existent refractory periods like a thing that that Uh, happens i have a partner who's like that really yeah just it's very handy right away i can imagine (laughs) you know because i remember in my like when i first started going to sex parties people said that it's actually good to have a gender imbalance of more men because we run out of steam so if like you're a woman and you like need a bunch of dick And you go to a party where, like, there's four, you know, if there's, like, five women and five men, those five men run out of steam. Now you got four women who have to wait, like, 10 to 30 minutes before anyone can fuck again. It'd be handy if there was another man around.
1: This is blowing my mind because I've never been in a situation where you needed more men because generally the girls are fun with each other.
0: Well, yeah, if you go to a (laughs) queer party, that's, like, you know, that doesn't matter. But if you were going to go to, like, a typical... Like a heteronormative type
1: Well, that's thing. what I'm yeah. talking about. It's like uh, the, the swinger scene in America is very, very, very okay with women hooking up and not very the, not okay yeah. with men. So it's usually like a gender imbalance with a lot of women, mm. which is why they charge more for men to go there if they're solo. And see, that's and why that.
0: I like going to parties where they charge men and women the same amount because I'm like, oh, you know, everyone's like the same here. Um, The other one was, and this one I, I know why it's a big deal for her. What she wants to know, what's the deal with female ejaculation? Uh, where does it come from? How does it get there? What is a skein's gland? Is there an evolutionary <laughs> like reason why she would um destroy her bed every night?
1: So, the I'm just saying,
0: I've drowned uh, um a few times.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we've we've all been there. Um, <laughs> so the. Honest answer is we don't know. Mm-hmm. There is not consensus on this. Um you will speak to researchers who say definitively 100% this is the deal. And you'll speak with other people whose opinion is definitively 100% the opposite of that. And there's not enough sex research in general much less into this. And so we have very limited data on it. Um what we do have is that There seems to be some sort of proclivity. For some people, it's much easier than others. It is possible to get women to ejaculate who have not done it before through technique. Um, Although that can happen sans orgasm, right? You can just do specific techniques, sploosh, but they are not identifying that as having come. Mm. So they are separate issues. For some people, it seems like the way that they orgasm most likely is probably somehow related to that. What we are finding... Uh, through increasing research into female sexual response is that we know even less than we thought we did and that probably every single person is different every every single um i'm not even sure like probably just every person is different uh more so than we ever thought so sex advice techniques we're now having to reconsider like how useful are they to everyone but um but yes, it seems to be related to something about internal stimulation. It's probably related to that as opposed to just clitoral stimulation. And if if it happens for you, cool. If it doesn't, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're embarrassed by it, you know, prepare for it. Lay down towels or something like that. Uh, but there's is you know- it P? We don't totally know because it seems don't know. sort of unclear. Like there There's... might be some pee in there, but like don't stress about that.
0: Every time like a study comes out says it's pee, it's not pee. I keep going like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I agree. Like it's hot either way. I don't yeah. care if it's pee or not. It's still gonna be super sexy anytime it happens to me.
1: Yeah, I guess the question is like, if you're planning on drinking it, maybe you care. You know, like what it's composed of because like there are issues around drinking pee. But like if you're well hydrated, you're probably huh. fine. If you but I mean, if you're drinking people's, you know, fluids in general, you just have basic like sexual health concerns. Like, just have the conversation about STIs first. That would right. be, yeah, that would be that. So if if they have anything that that might put you at some risk of of transmission, just take appropriate precautions. But I think the big thing that I just I want to drive home is that like your body is okay, and if you feel healthy, like if it's not hurting. You know, or something like that, then don't stress about it. If you have particular questions on your body, maybe you want to talk to your doctor. But I, I don't care, you know, like, if we ever settle this. And I don't care if we ever settle the is the G spot a real thing dilemma. But the question is, like, I want you to go explore and see what all of the things do. What does this lever do? What, what happens if I push this button? But I don't want to give people, like, this checklist. Like, they feel like they have to go do this stuff and just like just have fun with your equipment without feeling like you need to be comparative stop posting on reddit okay <laughs> there's no
0: one overall thing anymore' it's what I'm learning from you is that all the thing it, it, one thing doesn't really apply to everybody as much as you all thought it did long long ago I mean, just yeah. just
1: like start start from the ground rather than trying to compare yourself to what's existing like really establish like who you are and what you're into and what your partners into and and that's the key to like sustainable healthy sexuality not like looking over there and being like should i be more like that uh, awesome
0: yeah that's great well well tim Murray, thank you again for uh for coming on the show um where can people find you they you know where can they find your podcast where they can find you online you do burlesque which we didn't even get oh, to get yeah. into uh, and they can go see you get naked somewhere in philly
1: all the time yeah uh, so my sex education work, you can find at sex with Timmery, T-I-M-A-R-E, sexwithtimmery.com. Uh, we got a pretty vibrant Facebook community uh, as well, um, where there's there's a lot of educational stuff and we have a lot of conversations there. And uh, you, can, you can find out about my burlesque stuff, uh, Burlesque Adelphia. It's the word burlesque, B-U-R-L-E-S-Q-U-E. Delphia, like the city. Uh, and that is actually the calendar for all of Philly Burlesque. Um, and I am a community organizer of it. So,
0: What is your very fun burlesque name?
1: Honey Tree Evil Eye. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is the real name of Spuds McKenzie, the who? beer dog.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. Uh,
1: who was in real life a female dog. So she was a bitch from the 80s surrounded by booze. And women
0: sounds like a badass burles- uh, burlesque dancer, and um, and your show is Sex with Tim Murray. It's also on iTunes and wherever yep. people find podcasts. And All the things.
1: Thank you so yeah. much. I uh, want you to
0: say goodbye to everybody.
1: Everybody, y'all be good. Doing.
0: I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tim Marie Schmidt. Uh, well, she is just fantastic. Check out her show. Uh, it's on iTunes, and anywhere you listen to the Man Whore Podcast, you can find it. It's called Sex with Tim Marie. That's T-I-M-A-R-E-E. Give us a shout out on Twitter. You know, let us know what you thought about this week's episode. I am on Twitter uh, and Instagram at the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, fan page, Patreon, all those things. But I want to stress to you, please, please, please take 40 seconds out of your day to fill out my demographic survey at manhorpodcom slash survey. This is a tremendous help for me, is a way to support this podcast at zero cost to you. manhorpodcom slash survey. If we get 500 responses in the next month, I'm going to do a sex toy giveaway. So uh, over the next week, I hope you all fill out the survey, and I hope you all stay slutty.